everybody. This is Arjun Dev Arora, the founder and managing partner of Format One. We support funds and founders and help them accelerate their efforts via people, strategy, and capital. And now off to John. Hi, John here. Um, along with Arjun, I co-founded Format One, and uh, my focus is executive coaching. And so I'm, I've levered up most of my attention on founders. But enough about me. Today we have a wonderful guest, Gautam Gupta, who is a hybrid. He uh, he was an operator founder himself and a VC as well. Um, so Gautam, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you're up to these days? Definitely. Well, first, thanks for having me. Um, good to join you guys. I'm, I'm a fan of the show. Um, so, you know, just a little bit of, of my background. I uh, started my career at General Catalyst, um, spent eight years there, uh, initially based out of the Boston office, uh, and then had an opportunity to help them start their West Coast office. Um, so that's what brought me out um, from the cold, harsh winters of Boston to the uh, nice uh, summers of, of California. Um, and uh, after eight years at General Catalyst, I, I really wanted to go be a founder. And so I decided to leave to start a company called NatureBox uh, with a friend of mine from college. Um, NatureBox is a multi-channel brand of snack food, healthy and better for you snack food. You know, the mission of the company was very much a personal passion, inspired by a personal passion of mine. Um, up until going off to college, I really struggled with obesity, uh, but luckily learned about nutrition and was able to lose 70 pounds in six months through diet and exercise. Um, and so, you know, NatureBox was part a great business opportunity and, and something that I really wanted to be a part of from uh, from a business standpoint, but also really a personal passion and personal interest. Um, we built that business up. Uh, I was CEO for six and a half years, lots of ups and downs, um, became a very well-recognized brand. Um, we finally got the business to cash flow positive um, and, uh, you know, had decided after six and a half years, it was enough. Uh, I, I had uh, had enough time as a CEO and, and uh, hired in a new uh, CEO to run the business and went back to venture capital. Um, about a year and a half ago, I joined the firm, uh, a firm called M13, um, which is a brand new uh, and, and we think unique venture capital firm um, where everyone uh has been an operator. Many of us have been founders. And so we're really trying to roll up our sleeves and, and help founders um, hopefully avoid some of the mistakes that we've made uh, when we were building businesses. Wow, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that, Gautam. The, um, um, didn't know that you spent close to a decade at General Catalyst, arguably before it became somewhat a founder household brand name, right? Um, can you tell us a bit about, you know, a bit about what it was like to be part of the early days of a venture firm that then became really well well known. What did you learn? You know, what did you contribute? You believe yourself to the process of uh, that evolution. I mean, I think the so hats off to the team at General Catalyst and everything that they've done. Um, I, I was certainly lucky to play a small role uh, in, you know, the, the evolution of the firm. Um, I think a couple things that were learnings for me uh, going through that process. One is, I think often uh, you look at the, the sort of people around you and maybe the firms that have been around for 20, 30 years, and you ascribe uh, a certain set of knowledge um, that maybe is there, isn't there to 
to that success. Um, and I think that one of the learnings from uh, General Catalyst is, you know, really the firm came from very humble beginnings in Boston and is now, as you said, um, an incredibly well-known, well-respected firm uh, across the world. And, and you know, I just think um, the, the self-confidence um, that you can build a, a firm of that stature um, is, is something that um, I, I really learned in, in those days is that, you know, there's nothing special about, you know, the, the top five, you know, firms um, that, you know, or, or I should maybe say it differently. It's not as much as you think, right, that separates those firms from from the upstarts. And, and I think General Catalyst has proven that. Right. That, um, you, you know, it's not the, the uh, that air is, is not untouchable. Right. And, and um, they've certainly built an incredible shop, an incredible firm. I think the second is just how much uh, ambition matters. Uh, and the group at General Catalyst in, in particular, um, the, the founders of the firm are incredibly ambitious. Uh, and you see that even today. Uh, I think it's it's they've driven that through the culture of, of the firm. Um, but, but that, along with the self-confidence, knowing that you can build something great, um, has, in my view, is, is what's enabled the success of that firm, right? Is the self-confidence knowing that you are good enough and, you know, you deserve to, to sort of be in those battles and be in those fights, you know, going after the best companies um, and the ambition to never stop building, right? And and I think that's what's really enabled their success and, and the things that I carry with me, um, you know, many, many years into the future, so. Wow, thanks for the sneaky uh, insight into General Catalyst. Um, I hope they watch this video and um, thank you for giving them a plug. But let's change gears a bit, you know, fast forward, you know, beyond <clears throat> probably another decade and you know, you started, exited uh, your position, I suppose, in NatureBox and then uh, joined General Catalyst. I, I mean, joined M13. Um, and you mentioned something interesting in the sense that you, um, a lot of you, a lot of the partners there, your team members, have been operators themselves. And obviously, this is quite an emerging trend that's like snowballing these days, where a lot of ex-operators are moving to the VC and realizing that they have an appreciation or a way to connect with founders that perhaps someone more removed from the day-to-day -day building company process would be. Um, why don't you unpack a bit about what you think makes you M13 and your kind of partner dynamic so different um, yeah. uh, in that sense? And, and maybe it's obviously always going to be a work in progress, but would love for you to have an opportunity to share those insights. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, I kind of have three thoughts on, on this, which is, uh, I would say the first one, I would just caveat that I, I don't believe that being an operator makes you a better investor. Um, it's still, it's an incredibly hard job of picking great companies and um, I don't, I've seen, and, and we've all seen, uh, great venture capital investors who have never been operators and great venture capital investors who have been, and bad uh, investors who have been operators and not been operators, right? So I think the, the data is, is very inconclusive about whether you need to be an operator to be a great you know, VC investor. Um, that said, I would say our approach, I think, differs from a lot of firms in two ways, um, empathy and value add. And so 
On the empathy front, um, you know, I think obviously you can build empathy uh, for a founder's journey. But if you've been through that journey yourself, I think you de facto come with that empathy. Right. And so when you're working with a, a founder, an entrepreneur, um, you know, it's it's built into the DNA. Right. If you've been an operator. Um, and so I think that that is, the, you know, while that might not contribute to making a better investment. I do think that it's something that a founder values um, and makes it easier to work with a, a great founder. Um, the other thing is just value add. And, um, you know, I think in the pursuit of building a great company, there are big strategic decisions that are tackled at the board level. Uh, and there are thousands of minute tactical decisions. Having been a founder, having operated a business, I think you can help much more on many of the tactical issues and questions. Um, you know, I think, look, VCs, uh, someone who's been a VC for 10, 20 years, no doubt, has seen so many different businesses that I think they can provide great strategic level guidance and support. Um, I think the tactics sometimes are, are where there's a real differentiator if you've been a founder. Um, and so it's things that, you know, None of us would want to talk about, but how you exit, uh, uh, you know, senior executive from the team, right? How do you have that conversation? What does that look like? Um, how do you conduct a layoff? But it's also some of the good things as well, right? Like, hey, you know, I've got a customer who um, wants me to, you know, wants to do this big partnership, needs us to be exclusive. How do I navigate that? I don't want to lose that customer um, or the excitement of that customer, right? So, and these are all things that as a founder, as an operator, You've been through yourself, uh, and and so you can look back on some of the experiences and maybe some of the things that you've done well, some of the mistakes, um, and cherry pick, um, you know, some of hey, here's what I wish I had known then, um, and and really leverage that as as a VC to help your portfolio companies, I think, um, succeed. And so that's what I would say is just you know how our approach difference uh, differs and and some of the thoughts I'd have on just, you know, overall, how much does it matter to, to have been an operator? Yeah, thanks for the insight, because, you know, um, uh, it's so interesting, the skill set of early stage company building is very distinct from <laughs> VC investing, purely because the, uh, the the risk profile changes, right, in a sense. <laughs> um, I, I, we've met a lot of super angel founders who are just like yes 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 everything but i suppose at an institutional level you have to be so more thoughtful so how do you and the team um kind of straddle the two two areas where you recognize where your uh operating experience is of value and value add mm -hmm. but what do you think you had to learn as a team in the early days to really start to get the investment art form more fine-tuned in the way that m13 has it today yeah, I think a lot of what we've done in the early days of getting uh, building the firm uh, and, and sort of getting into market has really been around some of the process uh, work of, you know, how do we go find companies? And once we talk to a company, what does our process for making an investment look like? Right. These are all things that you look as an entrepreneur. You want to know that there's a certain process that uh, whether you know all of the steps of the process or not. 
there is a process that the firm is employing to make a decision on an investment, right? It's not just some black box, right? And and so um, I think these are all things that internally we had to align on, create, align on. Um, also post-investment, where do we want to, um, how do we want to engage with portfolio companies? Where do we want to um, really dedicate our resources and time? Um, and, and look, what I would say is we're one and a half or two years, I'm one and a half years at the firm, but the firm is, you know, kind of two years into um, uh, building uh, a franchise. And so it's very early days, right? And uh, I think we're still very much in the early innings. Everything that we've created to date, I'm sure will have to evolve and change. And, um, you know, and so that's part of it. But a lot of what we spent, you know, time on initially was just aligning on process and, and how do you, you know, sort of um, how do you take what I think the vision is around the firm and and sort of uh, bring that, that to reality. Nice to add. And, you know, I mean, two years is a long time. <laughs> a lot can happen yeah. in two years, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's true. Yeah. People often, you know, comment that um, Andreessen Horowitz is about, I think, 11 years old now, um, 11, maybe 12 years old. So uh, an incredible amount can be accomplished in a short amount of time. Um, but I do think, you know, venture venture capital and, and even just companies in general, it takes it takes uh, time to kind of get into your groove. And, and um, you know, I, I've never been one that, that is worried about, um, you know, uh, the amount of time, you know, I think if you're just always improving, the compounding effect of that improvement over a long period of time is, is dramatic, right? And so, um, you know, I've, I've never been one that, that worries too much about, you know, how long things are taking, but more, you know, are we, are we continuously improving or progressing? And I think we've, we've actually, in my view, got off to a great start. And, and you know, I think um, have obviously a lot more to do and, and uh, many ways to improve, but I think we've gotten off to a great start. Yeah, well, congratulations to you and the team. The, um, and, you know, Looking back now, off to the great start, um, you know, aligning on processes, you know, syncing things up, leading with the vision, I suppose, of the mission. What are um, what are some of the highlight moments for you in M13, it, uh, being involved um, in, you know, forming up the process and having these, like, high-level discussions with your team around how do we align on the mission? Yeah. Well, I think some of the highlights are uh, around just the external validation of the model um, and, and what we're building. And so when we closed uh, our fund uh, at the end of 2019, um, that was certainly a, a highlight. And, and I think that external, you know, it's just that external validation, right, of, of investors um, believing in that vision, uh, along with the market, you know, starting to hear about us and, and um, you know, uh, the, the brand sort of getting out there and getting exposure. Um, you, you know, I think those to, to me that that's, you know, kind of one of the biggest highlights. And, and as I said, like we're two years into kind of building something that, that we all hope is going to be uh, an incredible franchise. And so my hope is that the best, the best is yet to come, you know, and, and, uh, my hope is we're just at the start of, of what this all could look like in, you know, another five to 10 years. Yeah. Excited to see that as well, and I'm, I'm sure we'll have regular catch-ups in the future, getting the 
nuggets of progress from you. And, um, you know, and the other thing I was thinking, Gautam, is you're such a, you know, you're not the only one who's had this experience, but I'd say it's unique in the sense that you don't know what it's like entering the founder-operator world without a good lens on what the VC process is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went from VC, founder, back to VC. Mm-hmm. What do you, two things, I mean, first off, um, it's hard to, I guess, if it's a water you swim in, it's hard to say, hey, what do you think was advantageous for you <laughs> having, yeah. and being a founder yeah. going into that process? But maybe the other way to answer it is like, what do you wish you could impart? What knowledge do you wish you could impart to founders who don't have an insight into VC, into the VC yeah. world and how VC firm works? What sort of uh, wisdom would you wish you could just literally psychically transfer to other founders? Yeah. Yeah. So I think on the first part, for me, uh, coming out of a career in venture capital and being a founder, there were definitely some good things uh, about that transition and some bad things. Right. So on the good side, um, I think I was able I knew how raising capital worked and I certainly had a list of people that I could go talk to about a fundraise. Right. Um, and, And so I had a little bit of the inside baseball. Right. That being said, as a VC, you're usually not building big teams or, you know, there's not a huge amount of importance placed on many of the things that actually are needed to make you a great CEO, right? In the sense of recruiting, management, communication, you know, goal setting, et cetera, right? And so I think in many ways, I may have been better at fundraising than I was at actually operating, you know, having come out of a VC background, right? Um, But, you know, to your point around, like, transitioning to the second part of the question, um, what are the things that maybe I knew or, or, you know, that I could impart? Um, I think fundraising, you know, I kind of look at it as as there's a lot that we could talk about, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, how to manage a successful fundraise. But if you boil it down to the simplest components, um, I think there's kind of three things that come to mind. One is the value of a narrative and a story. And that story includes why now, why is now the right time for the business? Why you? So why you are the right person to run and, you know, build this business. Um, And then I think the, you know, why this can be big, right? And so, you know, often people um, aren't able to synthesize, you know, what does this look like? assuming success, what does this look like, right? And, and how do you get to, how do you build something big? So so that's, one is the narrative and, and those three components of the narrative. The second is, I think you've always got to remember that, you know, investors are are going to look for, you know, what, what is the, the thing, the, the one exciting thing about the company, right? And, and what is the, you know, unique, um, advantage that that company has. It could be, you know, go to market. It could be the quality of the team. It could be the size of the, the market opportunity. It could be the financial traction, whatever it is. I think emphasizing, distilling down what that one thing is, right? That is uniquely interesting about this opportunity and emphasizing that one thing, making it like literally the second slide on the deck, making it part of the talking points, et cetera is so incredibly important because often, you know, what I've found is founders bury the lead, right? And so you forget the headline of why 
why should someone care about investing in this business, right? Like, what, what is unique about this business? Um, conversely, and this is kind of the third piece, is I think often founders don't address the weaknesses in the business, right? And every business, no business is perfect, right? Um, but I think often people um, try to just, you know, ignore the weaknesses, right? So let's say the unit economics are not good, right? Often people try to ignore that, or maybe they'll benchmark it against other companies that have similarly weak unit economics. That's not, in my view, like you want to tackle the weaknesses head on. Um, and, and you want to explain, you know, the plan for mitigation, right? And, and you want to control that message as a founder. I think by ignoring, um, a sensitive topic or, you know, uh, a perceived weakness in the business, you're actually just allowing someone else to come up with the message for you, right? And often that's going to work against you. It's not going to work for you. So, so that's what I'd say, you know, uh, a bit long winded, but, but, you know, the, the few things that, that I would impart, um, to, to a founder that's, that's thinking about fundraising. Oh, thank you. I, Arjun and I would absolutely concur with what you just said. And it, it's something we wish, um, we wish you could give to every founder raising because I think it, it gives them, um, insight into a skill that maybe they have underlevered on because they're such builders by, um, by nature. And, and yeah, and, you know, even in the process, right, of pitching, you know, what we see in the industry is feedback can be varied, you know, feedback can be helpful, can be smoke and mirrors, can be a standard template response to keep the door open while saying no simultaneously. You know, what is your opinion on how to give feedback, whether it's yes or no to a founder? Um, What's your opinion on doing that in a way that's professional? respects all the party involved and really leaves the founder with a sense that they can trust you as the yeah. investor. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, the, the one thing that I would say, look, obviously everyone is always drowning in emails and meetings and all this. And so I would say um, I have a lot of sympathy or, or empathy for um, VCs who are just drowning in their calendar. Um, and don't have the time to send, you know, a paragraph of feedback post every meeting. That being said, I don't have a lot of sympathy for ghosting uh, entrepreneurs. And having been a founder who has been ghosted many times, um, I can tell you that that's just not professional in my view, but that's just not a good way to do business, right? Um, You know, I would say that feedback, while it's – it is not the norm in the industry to give feedback post a, a meeting. It's something that we try to do religiously at M13, um, you know, and I, I dedicate a, a significant amount of my time writing, you know, emails to, to founders that I've met with about, you know, what are the points of the pitch or of the strategy that I agree with and what are the points that maybe I disagree with. And, and we write those things with a great amount of humility, right? I mean, there's no crystal ball in this business. So we write those emails um, with an incredible sense of humility, knowing that, you know, we get things wrong all the time. Like this is, a, it, it's a crazy job where we get paid to make decisions and often some of the decisions are wrong. Um, and, um, and so, but, you know, that being said, like we try to do it, we think there's incredible value for the founder. 
we've not had any issues where founders get, you know, take it personal or anything like that. I think by and large, 99.9% of the time, founders respect and, um, you know, appreciate the time that went into um, giving the feedback. Um, but that being said, I have, a, a, you know, as I mentioned, I've got a lot of empathy for your VCs who are just buried and, and can't make the time to do it. And I understand that, and, you know, as a founder, you know, um, we didn't get feedback from very many investors. Um, the ones, the, the thing that I remember, though, is the investors who ghosted us, right? And and just, you know, never followed up, even after, you know, an email follow-up and things like that, just never responded. So. Yeah, wow. Well, you mentioned, again, that philosophy around empathy and how important it is to have it for both sides, not just empathy for the operator founder side, but empathy for the VCs. Um because, and, you know, and maybe perhaps you could shed a bit of light about, you know, kind of the unique challenges uh, early stage venture capitalists face in their business in trying to do this right, because they're also managing their investors, too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So perhaps, you know, as a talking point for um, kind of encouraging more empathy from the founder side for the VCs and, and what they're getting into, Perhaps, you know, what, what do you wish some of, um, what do you wish more founders could appreciate more of in terms of what it takes to run a good VC firm? Yeah, I, look, I, I would actually say, you know, from my point of view, um, we are just so privileged to do the job that, that we do um, that, and, and founders have to focus on running their businesses, right? Um, and so, so I don't, um, I don't view it as, you know, I wish a founder would know this about being a VC because, you know, at the end of the day, like we're the service provider, right? So like we have to understand them and work, uh, you know, into their lane more so than they have to work into our lane. Um, but, but that being said, you know, I, w- I would just say um, one of the things that maybe outside of VCs, um, just things that I wish founders would do more of, um, having been a founder and a VC, um, is, is spend more time with peers. Like, I think one of the things that a lot of startup founders don't make enough time for is uh, having peer CEO relationships. Um, and, you know, it has nothing to do with VCs, has nothing to do with fundraising. Um, but, um, you know, it's one of the things that I consistently see is that um, a lot of CEOs just don't spend enough time talking to their peers um, who can be a real source of learning, um, can be a, a, a real you know, source of um, um, calm, it, it, you know, in, in the storm. Um, and so that's one thing that, you know, I'm always encouraging founders that I talk to you. Um, to sort of like make time for that stuff. Like, don't worry about VCs and, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll figure, you know, out how to work with great CEOs and great entrepreneurs. Um, but, but just make sure that you're dedicating the time to um, continuing to learn on the job as a CEO. And one way to do that is to spend time with peers. And, and then I guess that begs the question, what have you seen in the ecosystem where that's been done well, or maybe what are you doing uh, personally or at the firm yeah, to help encourage question. that? Yeah, yeah I think, um, you know, so we, we run a founder network, um, you know, at M13, where our founders can connect with each other. We have kind of once a month, um, you know, group kind of sessions, and those have been really um, valuable Um I make it a point to introduce any CEO that I invest in, I introduce to all of the other CEOs that I work with, right? So that there's 
hopefully some connectivity, you know, forming there and relationships um, forming. Um, and then, you know, outside of the stuff that we do, um, you know, I think YPO has been, uh, I was uh, in YPO when I was uh, building NatureBots. It's a great, you know, well, I should say this, it was great for me. It might be great for others. Um, you know, everyone is different, um, but uh, I think resources and there's uh, other groups out there, right? Not just YPO, there's 10X CEO, there's, you know, um, a handful of others. Um, and, and those um, can be a great way to, you know, meet peers um, and, and form those relationships. Um, if maybe you don't have, you know, a network of, um, friends who are starting companies, right? Because I, I realize, you know, a lot of us just stumble into this job, right? Uh, meaning being a founder or being a CEO. And, and so we don't necessarily have, you know, five people on speed dial, right? Um, so, so sometimes the YPO type of groups are, are incredibly helpful that way. Oh, thanks for sharing that. And, and it sounds like implicit in what you said is you wish this was done across all stages of being a founder, right? You know, pre huge amount pre -funding, of pre-funding and beyond, um, and probably something. I mean, you were part of YPS, so you got to experience that firsthand. But what do you think, in terms of these like CEO groups or peer groups, what do you think? Where do you think there's room for improvement or enhancement of that experience? Respecting that, you know, there are so many support groups out there, and they have their unique filters for what makes the CEOs to put together. And then how they facilitate the sessions in terms of cadence, topic, yeah, hands on, hands off, you know, and and as a CEO, right, um, you know, I know a lot of CEOs are very judicious with their time, mm -hmm. and so you know, you can always, how do you balance the line between, yeah. you know this is just enough or this is way too much, you know? Yeah. And I think everyone is going to have their own style. And and so I think it's, it's you know, to me, it's about talking to, if, if you want to go down the path of, you know, joining one of these groups, it's about talking to three or four of them, getting a feel for how they run the program and the time commitments and all of those things and, and making a decision on whether it's right for you. Because um, I, I totally hear you. I mean, the time uh, investment, um, you know, of, uh, developing those relationships, it's, it's not trivial, right? Um, and so, uh, and in order to get the most out of some of these things, like you really do have to invest, um, time and, and also just relationship capital, right? Because at the end of the day, if you don't trust the CEOs that you're talking to, um, it's just not very valuable, right? Like you, you want to be able to call someone with an issue that you wouldn't talk to your board about, in my view, right? And so, in order for you to have that kind of relationship, it has to be there has to be a strong amount of trust um, and, and trust requires trust is earned. Right. So, so um, you know, I think um, there's no one approach, I think, for, for uh, everyone. I think everyone sort of has to figure out what's right for them. Oh, thanks. Thank you for sharing that. Arjun, I have no further questions. I thought that was a really nice, nice piece forgotten to. Um, share on the tail end of this interview yeah maybe just one quick thing to you know end it what uh what spaces are you looking at today what are you excited about and you know what can the ecosystem keep its eyes and ears open um yeah. you know for you yeah. yeah no i appreciate that um you know one of the areas that we're spending a lot of time in is e-commerce enablement or you know call it e-commerce infrastructure and um we have a view that we're just we are still in the early innings of 
commerce, um, you know, moving online and, and omnichannel commerce. Um, and in order for merchants to compete with the Amazons and Walmarts of the world, they will need the same services and tools that Amazon and Walmart have developed over you know the last 20 years, um, and so we um, are, are really heavily investing in and looking at the ecosystem of those providers um, that really allow a small merchant to compete with um, you know the likes of those large merchants, right? Um, and so so it's everything from you know. Uh, software uh, platforms, you know, headless commerce uh, to, you know, logistics, technologies around logistics, customer service um, to, you know, how do you acquire uh, customers more efficiently and, and you know, so, uh, retain customers more efficiently. It's, it's, you know, it's a pretty wide ecosystem, um, but, but we're spending a lot of time there. Very exciting. Yeah, thank you. On thank that point, sharing. we agree. Awesome. <laughs>